am obsessively checking out my signal to noise ratio. <laughs> Uh, I'm no, but that's too high because now it's crazy because at the top of the dial I peak so often and that the it's so fuck it, Abe. How are you doing? I'm good. Are we recording? <laughs> Did you just take a sip? The weed's from still burning. Oh no! Don't you Do remember you from college the etiquette is to put the weed out? I am no longer an etiquette master. Unless and it's I used been to be continuously cherried. You're the first person who ever weeded me <laughs> yeah i weeded you but you didn't teach me the lingo because i'm saying shit like well, you weeded well, me. <laughs> i'm out of my depth now since college see i taught you everything you knew and now i've forgotten everything and you're reteaching me so this the teacher becomes the pupil the student becomes Indeed. the teacher <sighs> welcome to frame rate the podcast where we rate frames yeah that's what we do here at frame rate Great. Great. Great job. <laughs> hey, man, I'm trying to help you on the introduction. You're always doing introductions. Always doing introductions. That's true. Do, are yeah. you jealous? Do you want to hop in and do some introductions? No, I'm not jealous. Why Envious. would I be jealous of you? <laughs> All right. I'm you still low, man. I feel like I got to tweak. Tweak it and restart it. I got to tweak my... No, we're not restarting. Uh, People like this raw behind the scenes. Yeah, that's a good waveform. You got a raw dog or audience. Exactly. <laughs> Um, speaking of introductions, mm. hey, today we're talking about Saving Private Ryan, 1998, directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, yeah, that's true. I feel like, uh, do you think it's worth, we never did in the first two episodes, like, here's uh, what the movie's about, if you haven't seen it. Does not that really. Does matter at all? Nah, I mean. What about when we do obscure shit? It seems when we like do we obscure should. shit, the okay. way that I found it is that, because if they're clicking on it. Like, I don't know if there's any dum-dums out there listening right now, but you're like, Saving Private Ryan, I haven't seen that film. Click on that. There's going to be spoilers. So there's no purpose in doing wide broad strokes. But like, for example, if you were to be like, all right, there's this one shot. So you remember at Omaha Beach and there's mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm, happened. Mm -hmm. Say a few mm -hmm. things. So the audience is like, I don't know who Barry Pepper is, but you say, remember the guy's really good at shooting stuff. And they're like, hey, I do kind of he remember looks, that. He's like Giovanni Ribisi if his eyebrows were lower. <laughs> Well, Giovanni Ricci is in the movie. I know, that's why I made the joke, you mook. <laughs> All right, this podcast is I over. Hate you. <laughs> For the listeners at home, our fists are already in like fisticuff yeah. position where they're slowly rotating. Where does that term come from? Because like fisticuffs, fist, fist and cuffs. You roll your cuff up so your fist so like, is exposed. Why I, oughta. I assume. Yeah, why I oughta. All right, so he won't synopsize <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. I, I hope think you've it's seen necessary. It. Send us an email. I'll be like, give me that damn synopsis, you mooks. Um, but I saw it when I was 13 because I saw it in theaters. Yeah, and me that's too. when it came out. Pretty young to be seeing it. Yeah, I remember, you know, you know I remember uh, like because my dad was a Vietnam or is a Vietnam vet. And uh, I remember he doesn't talk. I heard he got that expunged. It was. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. <laughs> he got memory redow. Uh, no, he, um, I remember, he doesn't talk about it at all. And I remember it was one of the first times, like, after, uh, I remember the kids who had seen it. I don't know if it was the whole company, a family. But uh, either one of us asked him, hey, like, so was that, like, that felt, like, really real. Like, I, you know, we're, like, 13, 14. Like, so, and I remember my dad was, like, yeah, that's exactly how it is. He's, like, and he's not one to be affected by like movies or in general, like I've never known him to be 
haunted by anything. And I think it speaks for itself that he never really talked about his military experience that much to at least his kids. But uh, he talked about, I guess, I mean, we're asking about like the verisimilitude of like the Omaha Beach segment with all of the things that you were talking or with all the things like the slow frame rate and, the, you know, like the people just dying and all that stuff like it's well i mean just like you how many how many times do they play like in the first 10 minutes do they do the thing where it's like and banner brothers does it again which is another tom hanks steven spielberg thing yeah. where it's like you turn around and the guy you're talking to who is supposed to like radio in mm-hmm. now has like a hole in his face right i kept a trope count right that trope is you reach over and your best friend's face is just a pile of goo. Yeah. Then you know what's up, Marge. <laughs> or the guy, <laughs> or the guy like takes off his helmet because he's like, oh, good. Yeah, the, the lucky bastard. Get... That stuck with me very much. And so then he gets shot traveling. in the head, though. Right. Of course. Yeah. Okay. They the lucky bastard scene where they say, "What a lucky bastard!" Because they ricocheted off his helmet. He takes his helmet off to see how lucky he was, and he gets shot in the head immediately. Um, yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> V- explain verisimilitude for first-time listeners. Um, I the way I understand it. I mean, you're the word nerd. Uh, I think you taught me this word. Maybe not. Um, it's something that smacks of like truth. Like meaning, like if someone were like in the wire. If you've seen the wire, you know I've seen the wire. The way in which they talk, I have no no knowledge of exactly how like drug dealers in Baltimore speak. But I would say that whatever it is, it feels authentic. Right. And therefore, to me, as a story viewer, Saving Private Ryan, the verisimilitude of war would be something that was like, that That feels like, if I were there, that would be a very visceral experience. Very yeah. true to what that would be. I don't and know. I was telling you, the- uh, whoever made... Call of Duty World War Two. They like watch Saving Private Ryan on Pete while they were designing it, because it's uh. so it's such a recreation of it, and it made me realize how much Saving Private Ryan, especially rewatching it, really created like two things I recognized. One, best casting. Oh yeah. Other than the lack of diversity in any way. Right. Best casting of all time. Like way better. It like they should have been the Expendables, mm. but uh, and then also. Uh, yeah, how influential every single trope from Saving Private Ryan has been like sleeping in a church, um, monologue about missing out on time you could have spent with your loved ones, medic explaining how to perform, how to do surgery on themselves while they die, a uh, guy going, if you want to shoot me, just shoot me. I'm sick of this shit, man. Just do it, man. Shoot me. Yeah. Oh, I'll fucking shoot you right in the, your big mouth, you bazooma. Yeah. Um, the Tom Sizemore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he's... And he, I thought he was the weak link acting wise. Really, I thought he was. Eh, uh, he was that, for me. You know what? Yeah, I mean, he didn't. He didn't have a lot to bite on, but I did love the character stuff, like of him actually putting in, like when he puts in the tin, and like it says France. Right. It's like to him. Oh, that's great, but that's just a script. That's jam. a script thing, but it's like his face is very cold. It's like it's true. It cuts to people like crying and like not knowing how to deal with it, and he's just like, "Yeah, this is just picking up some France." Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess I'll call out more as we go. But I have a, every time a trope that was like very seminal. It's guy dying and be like, "Get this letter to my pa." 
Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. That one's pretty. That's Vin Diesel. One Vin yeah, Diesel. But they invented a bunch of these. The sniper who says a prayer before he kills everyone. That's like, Barry Pepper. God, maybe. give me strength. Snipe. Snipe. Yeah. The Lord walks with me. Snipe. Well, it's not just. What's crazy to me is that not just like because films influence films, right? That's like, um, for example, one of the tropes that is now used by everybody is the shell shock. The idea of like at the beginning, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. has like quiet and you just hear that or yep. nothing and that hadn't been done on a mass scale before saving private Ryan. i don't know if it's the very first iteration it's ever. not i actually know the first okay. iteration of it which is nice. amazing because it was a belgian i want to say belgian. You just call yourself amazing no it's amazing <laughs> uh <laughs> the uh janus kaminsky it's the first time that they worked with each other spielberg and uh janus and janus is the director of photography of saving private ryan they'd never worked with each other they went on to basically shoot everything together from here all the nazis all the rest many of, other kinds yeah. of humans yeah. they shot everything and together. uh he found him i, th- I think he's polish or belgian i don't know uh but he worked on a short film that utilized that trope mm. and when spielberg watched the short film he was like that's Absorbed. fucking awesome. Yeah. And it was shot documentary style handheld with some steady cam stuff like everything like it would bleach bypass like the look bleach bypass is the name of like a, a chemical bath that, that you put the film look. It, yeah it gives it that gray yeah. black and white like dc comics look yeah that's <laughs> uh now it's all digital but like back then they bleach bypassed it all those look and feel things and the shell shock sound thing came from that Short. So Spielberg What's the was name ba- of the short. I don't remember. I gotta find got it. Got you, nerds. I beg you, write in and rake this motherfucker across the coals. <laughs> he came to the table and he laid a f- feast before you. It's something in Polish. And I don't like, know. Two dishes on the feast are missing. <laughs> Fuck him. I don't know Polish. <laughs> Is that what they speak in Poland? But yeah, it's like a uh, when Apple has this. sees like a innovative app and it's like, the, like absorb company put into new phone yeah it's like a home <laughs> button uh yeah but yeah it's if so yeah that thing where all the sound goes quiet and it's just but there's like dim explosions yeah. and you see the brutalist kill you've seen so far but the guy in the foreground doesn't even notice because he's just like ee. Like, that's his world right now. Yeah. yeah, they do that in the beginning and the end for Tom Hanks. He bookends and, those. But how many times in this, uh, going back to, like, the Band of Brothers or just the Tom Hanks meets Spielberg? Because they both, they weren't as integrally a part of uh, uh, Band of Brothers, but they're executive producers on it. And, uh, God, there's so many. Like, you mentioned the sniper who has the, uh, who, like, kind of says his mantra. There's so many of those that are, like... Before Barry, Pe- he, but there's one time that the sniper like kisses the crucifix and then just runs into battle. Right. And if you remember Band of Brothers, there's a guy named Spears who all the l- lieutenant or yeah, Lieutenant Spears, who all of the people are like, yeah, he's fucking crazy because he just only runs guy into I stuff. I remember other than Ross Winters. from Friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, damn, I can't remember his name. But the Curry guy, Ross from Friends. <laughs> yeah. David Schwimmer, but I can't remember the uh, the character. Yeah, David Swimmer. Swimmer? Schwimmer? I don't know. <laughs> Zimmer? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but like Band of Brothers is just like greatest hits of 
Saving Private Ryan. And yet so, I guess I'm <laughs> much longer to. in runtime. Well, yeah. There's a bunch. Of, they do a bunch of stuff sometimes. Right. It's a little more. They, all, they add to it. It's a, I'd say it's a cross between Saving Private Ryan and a Ken Burns documentary on World War II because they dwell more on the information and that's what passed oh, yeah. around time. They're, and they're also both spectacular. They're both great in different yeah. ways. Uh, it also felt more like a David Simon, like um, uh, like you just said, The Wire or even more Generation Kill. Mm-hmm. Feels a lot like the thing we were just talking about. Anyway, do you want to hear funny titles? <laughs> Yeah. I didn't know when to deploy this, but I guess now. So, you know how this famously there's a porn parody, Saving Ryan's Privates. Uh, You're not laughing at it. I mean, I know that it exists, and it's like, you switched some words. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's on the level with any porn title. I just think it's a uniquely good title. I'm sorry, let's take it back. Here's my point. Saving Private Ryan, so evocative. You hear it and you're like, there's going to be Private Ryan. I bet it's about a war. They're going to save him. It's going to be a mission. There's going to be tough guys. <laughs> Ryan's going to be there. Be so I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm going to love it. Um, and so I came up with other titles that are equally provocative in the same vein. And I just want to read them. But like to you. jokes. No, very serious. <laughs> this is serious? So Saving Private Ryan, uh, as we said, Saving Ryan's Privates, that's not mine. Here we draw the line and move into originals territory. Just imagine the plot of these movies. All right. Raiden Myron, the pirate. <laughs> Wait, you think you get points for like semi-rhymes? All the pretty Cylons. <laughs> All the pretty Cylons. Oh. Paying several Ronin. To do what? Who knows? They're not ruining. They're disgraced. They're doing their job. They're not following their master. They're crazy. You don't know what they could do. They're doing, that is the point. They're <laughs> following their master. They're following the chief general whatever guy. Famous Ray's Pizzolatis. Wait, say that one again. Famous Ray's Pizzolatis. Because some of them are Italian? It's a pizza place where you do Pilates. <laughs> no, because it sounds like Saving Private Ryan. Kind of. Earning pilot's license. Saving, pri- earning pilot's license. I'll, okay, I'm gonna rattle off a bunch so we get yeah, through this. Yeah, just keep going, man. You're on. You're you win in the war. Raiden, Lightning Rider, <laughs> Suave Ryan, Private Eye, Partially Sleeved Rascals, <laughs> Spaying Ryan's Pitbull, Portia de Rossi Siren. That's a siren that would go off when Portia. De, anyway, it's not a siren that she sounds like. Like if she no. you touch her inappropriately, in her proximity, like, the siren alerts you. Gotcha. The Portia She's de Rossi's arriving. Here, yeah. Uh. Stunning pie arrangements. Proving Paul Ryan right. That's a passion project. I really care about that one. <laughs> Salving rashy privates. Salmon pickle Reuben. That's a sandwich idea. That's not a movie idea. Certain prayers are ribald, and of course, losing my religion. <laughs> losing my religion doesn't even rhyme. Saving private, it rhymes. <laughs> nerds, I beg you, write losing. in rhyme nerds and explain to this motherfucker <laughs> how losing my religion rhymed. Losing my religion. <sighs> <laughs> that this is the worst segment we've done. <laughs> I think. I beg to disagree. I think it spices up the podcast right in the middle <laughs> when it's starting to drag. But here's the here's my thing. I want. I'm going to do it with every movie. All right, all right. I'm glad. I'm so glad. Get ready for October Sky, you Rocktober guy. <laughs> They're not even words anymore. You're not yeah. even trying. But it's like, why? Why do they rhyme? 
Like saving Ryan's privates isn't even like a rhyme. Like the focus is on <laughs> private and privates and a guy oh. named Ryan. So it has nothing to do with rhyming. All right. I that's reset my list. Well, I didn't get the that's like second meaning of it. What? That's very clever. Shut up. No, but I'm saying like what? Like they don't try. Like look at the Fast and Furious series. No, no, no. They're not even trying to rhyme. All right. They're just doing numbers. Let's talk about the cast in this movie. Can we? Yeah. I got us off the rails. I feel like I have the prerogative to go back on the rails. I love the rails you had us on. I just think that you're weird. Well, having not watched this in a long while, I'll have to say several incredible moments where what the fuck paul giamatti is in this yeah it is holy shit ted danson is in this dude dude, dude yeah dear dude. god malcolm reynolds from firefly nathan, nathan fillion, fillion is yeah. the fake private ryan yeah dude he's Amazing. fake and he's like my my brother's my brother's dead yeah and, and he sp- looks so young too speaking of tropes this introduced and he gets to do i think more like a range of emotion he never gets to do because he's always a tough guy or mm-hmm. like an arrogant dude. Um, but speaking of inventing tropes, this movie actually invented the post credit sequence, although I thought it was in poor taste, that in the post credit sequence they show that Nathan Fillion's grammar school brothers are dead, like just incidentally. <laughs> They're just dead. You don't even know how they died. Mm-hmm. There's just like a letter there that says, Mr. Policeman, I sent you all the clues. <laughs> It's really weird. Anyway, to space <laughs> yeah. you go. Well, it was a setup for like a movie they didn't get around to for a while. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy your future career. Uh, anyway, Tom Hanks. Tom, it's about World War Two. You got Tom and Tom, Sizemore <laughs> Hanks. Yeah. Obviously, Matt Damon, Edward Burns. Right. Who is a guy who you you recognize? He's the guy who's like, I'm leaving. Yeah. To Tom Hanks and Tom and Tom Sizemore is like, I will shoot you in the face. There's a uh, bunch of like that that guys. that guys. Like yeah. Adam Goldberg, who I love, whose hair I love. Yeah. Um, Which how cool is that sequence where he's like Juden? He's like Juden. I wrote. I was okay. Good. I'm glad you also wrote it down. One of the most cathartic sequences in the whole movie is just a tr- like a trail of German soldiers coming by. Yeah. And the one Jewish guy in the troop, like holding up his Star of David and going like, "I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. Ju- yeah. Hello. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Uh, and of course, he has the uh, worst death probably in the whole movie. No. Well, yeah. I mean, that scene was is the most hard to. It's take the scene most the memorable. But yeah. after rewatching it again, because I had, I'd seen it out of theaters. I watched it a few years ago when I did a Spielberg class, but. I've Ooh, own, oh, you go to classes <laughs> uh the what stuck with me this time was the acting of giovanni rubisi yeah his death. holy medic Wade. i did say Mama. actually i take it back i wrote wade's was the hardest death i cried the most right. it was the worst but death yeah adam goldberg that whole sequence is in fact actually was uh on the cuff mm-hmm. uh spielberg no talks. no no quite the opposite <laughs> my dear friend it was off the cuff. Off the cuff. <laughs> yeah, it was off the cuff. That's right. <laughs> off the cuff death scene. Uh, that was not... They were like planning on having a whole fight, or I don't remember what they were planning on having, but Tom Hanks and uh, Steven Spielberg were watching the the shoot take place and they realized either because of speed of day or first they just had the... Tom Hanks had the idea, but 
as the story goes, Tom Hanks whispered into Spielberg's ear, wouldn't it be cool if the way in which, you know, uh, Goldberg dies is like a slow knife to the chest as he goes like, no, 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 no. And that's very visceral, right? Like we all Maybe the creepiest thing Tom Hanks has ever been attributed to doing is even yeah. like suggesting that they do that in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, it reminds me of just like uh, on Lord of the Rings when they were like, so when you stab someone in like the back where was it yeah they were talking about uh aragorn like slight quietly killing a like one of the orcs yeah and like christopher lee's like you do not tell me how you silently kill someone (laughs) i've done it sir oh my gosh that reminds me i was at comic-con one year and i saw a panel of famous fantasy writers on the topic of battle scenes how to write good epic battle scenes that seem realistic Right. Realistic or verisimilitudinous? Jesus, <laughs> and you're the pretentious one between the two of us. That's the thing. Wow, I don't agree. Well, I sound the pretentious. One. I'm the pretentious one What's here. What's funny but I- is within my eyeline is a picture on my mantle of me in like a lord's <laughs> wig and pantaloons and tights. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not the pretentious one. And you have your hand like, a, yeah. like as if you're holding like a, a teacup. French lord's wave. Yeah. What? French a Lord? French Lord waving you off to your death without caring. What the fuck was I? Oh, Comic-Con panel. Of, so anyway, they interview these authors who have good advice, solid, normal advice for writers on like battle scenes mm-hmm. and how to pace battle scenes. And it gets to Robert Jordan who writes The uh, Eye of the World is the first book in the series. Wheel of Time is the name of the series. It's this epic series. Oh, yeah. yeah. Many, anyone who knows fantasy knows it. It's a million pages. He died without finishing it and they finished it anyway, etc., etc. But he fought in, I believe, Vietnam, possibly Korean War. But they get to him and he goes, <laughs> you know where this is going because it's what you just said. But he yeah. goes, you know how I know what it seems like when you kill a human being <laughs> and the light of their life? Leaves their eyes, well, an inch from your eyes. I know because I've seen it, because I've done it. Jesus. And he's like, what you just said is bullshit. In the 16th century, a claymore could not be lifted with one arm, even by a six-foot man, which at that time was unusual anyway. He would have had a squire kneeling, like holding the claymore. Then he would mount the horse with the help of a second squire and take the claymore, (laughs) which has a range of 8.5 feet and you know how because i've used it <laughs> like, used, everything, I'll, I'll, everything was like oh i've just killed lots of people that's I how i write battle scenes that's so because <laughs> it's like everyone just turns into robert shaw from jaws yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Dull's eyes. laughs> yeah no i mean and that's like i don't know tom hanks hasn't <laughs> that's, been that's great that's great that's great uh, god bless America. tom i don't know if tom hanks has been in a war he doesn't seem like a guy who's been in a war but who what the fuck do i know i haven't Wait, been in a war that's fitting to the movie because they do another trope which is oh you're gonna find out something secret about the captain and then you do and it's like you know i've killed like a million nazis but i was a school teacher yeah. back home oh dude i was English just a lit. nice guy yeah, yeah. Which is true of Tom Hanks on like a meta level too, I think. Yeah, just as like the nice guy. Right. It's almost weird. It's almost a commentary in the sense that it was weird to see Tom Hanks from Splash and Money Pit and the Burbs do this role at that time. We're used to it now. I guess he'd done Philadelphia already. But I do like or not yet. And you got mail. And you got mail, which was very serious. (laughs) Um, But I do think there were a couple things that were almost commentaries on the movie itself. Mm. Um, Especially there was this one sequence where, and I love this maneuver, if indeed it was intentional, even if it's not, I like happy accidents. 
You know the sequence where Hanks is starting to go nuts and he makes them go off course to root out a machine gun nest. That's where Wade gets killed. Um, The opening of that scene and up to now, Hanks has had like the shaky hand and been like nervous, but nothing crazy. And the guys literally say, this is not important we can succeed in our whole mission without doing this and it's funny because i had already written the note that structurally this is the first sequence we've encountered that's not necessary to the plot and i was wondering why is it here and then hanks in a single line and shot answers both you in a meta way and them and he he goes our objectives to win the war with crazy eyes and you're like okay well he's answering in the sense that Oh, we're seeing the sequence to show that Tom Hanks is going nuts. Yeah. It is a necessary sequence. And he's deemed it necessary that we take this unnecessary risk to kill this machine gun nest. Yeah. Which is especially fitting in the sense that how can he not start losing faith when the whole mission they're doing, saving Private Ryan, is objectively not objective. Like... It's a feelings-based mission that's a stupid waste of lives. And it's... uh it's verified because after that whole like sequence is done, they send off the German soldier and uh, you know, the, they have the Edward Burns is about to walk away, but then he tells him he's a school teacher at the end of that. He then has a line that's something along the lines of like, we have one mission to, to save Ryan, save that private. So it's like, and it's like directly juxtaposes what he says of like the reason to go to the radar tower is while they're leaving it. He says like the only thing that matters because he's like, I'm not going to allow I like there a little piece of me dies every time he talks about his wife and how like next time he's going to see his wife. Uh, he, he's unsure of if she's going to recognize him because a piece of him dies every time he sees another death. And it's just kind of like, well, the whole motivation for going to the radar tower, like you are an inconsistent decision maker. Right. And that's how you know he's falling apart because he's torn between, he also can't see any more of his own men die. Like he's just starting to lose the temperament for it. And yet he wants to win the wars to validate what he's doing, why he lost those men. And yet he just wants to get Private Ryan out of there for a cynical reason because it would be the end of his duty and he could go home. So he's just, going nuts and then i think another trope which is probably the least realistic part of the movie because i do think the movie in the same way that unforgiven was seminal it was the first war movie that's like war is hell is going to be a major part of it and we have the effects budget to show that now like all quiet on the western front the message is war is hell yeah but they just show that with like oh i died and a butterfly lands on my hand it's sad in this you're like fuck man I'm happy I was not in World War II. Um, and yet I salute them because it's good the Nazis were beaten. Um, but Jesus, God. And I think that's become an important staple of war movies. But this movie was early in that idea. And it still shied away at the end because they still have a climactic <clears throat> battle yeah. where like the music strikes up and plays like an American anthem kind of song. And it's like, it's go get them boys. It's great that they're all going to muster together and do like an oceans 11 sequence where he's like, here's what we do. We get the sticky bomb. We put it on the tread. It's going to be fine. And like everyone does something useful and great. Uh, even up who's fucking pathetic, mm-hmm. uh, like takes 18 prisoners and we'll probably get a bunch of medals for no reason. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, 
I guess I felt like uh, they. It softened at the end. It's still like, and God bless America, because I'm Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks. I'm not gonna be Kurt Vonnegut and go like, and that's why humans don't deserve to exist. Because look at this right. mess. <clears throat> like right. I'm it's not like Lars they, von Trier. We per, uh, <laughs> persevered. Yeah, it's. It, it's got a lot of John Ford in it, and I'm not gonna just talk about like the in like kind of what you're mentioning, which is there's a fine line between, you know, heartfelt kind of you know, especially because war films are always about like the tragic, right? Um, or they often are, and therefore it's like, how do you deal with how do you rectify that at the end? Well, a lot of people do propaganda, and that's kind of what John Ford did because he was you know during that time. they had just come out of it. And so when he made films like they were expendable, which were kind of like, Oh shit. Like that it's the start of that movement that this is kind of, but just for context for people who maybe don't know the name, he did the classic Westerns, like pre unforgiven Westerns, the searchers, can you rattle off a couple more probably yeah man who shot liberty valance okay so like the classic, uh, Western that you'd see, what the fuck's his name? Shane, uh, the Duke, John Wayne and yeah. John Ford and John Wayne, just American. Just a bunch of Johns, right? just like this is a bunch of towns. So you're saying when he made a movie that showed like actually it sucks to get shot. It was in a war. big yeah. deal. Yeah, <laughs> it was a big deal. And in fact, uh, I think Spielberg actually pointed out at that at, in this film, if you remember a very another memorable scene is when they uh the pre when they it's the wherever where is he from? Iowa? Uh Who, Hanks? No, uh Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, when it cuts to Iowa and oh my the mom walks out, and yeah. there's she, all she needs to see is the priest and the guy who takes his hat off, like the from the, the major or whatever it is, and she knows that some one of my children is dead, and you know because of context of seeing Brian Cranston, you know, yeah, one armed <laughs> Brian Cranston uh, announces they're dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is like I didn't because he wasn't a thing last time I had seen it, so I it had was, no idea. I was yeah. like, oh shit. You know, anyway, um, that shot is through the, if you remember, there's a frame that's very like, it's super awesome, which is you just see the plains of Iowa through a yep. dorm frame. She's completely silhouette because there's no light and you're looking outside at, you know, like the, the sky. whole sequence I wrote is geometrically flawless. It's flawless. Like if you look at the rule of thirds and shit, yeah. it's amazing how they got this perfectly zigzag <clears throat> road to bisect with her mirror right. and like her right. eyes flick up just as the car enters the first pane of the yeah. window it's incredible and i think it's 1955 <laughs> the searchers has that exact shot now that was oh. center punch but it, and it's not when someone's arriving it's when john wayne and the group are leaving uh so it's oh you like, mean the shot out the front door where it's like a, a damsel in distress and she collapses and in it. this case like a mother who's about to grieve um but it's like kind of a nod to sometimes sometimes it's not a glorious walk out in the sunset sometimes this is like this is the water we have to hold. This is the cross we have to bear because right. of war. Uh, and I think that, that it's diametrically opposed, which is not to say that John Ford is a propagandist filmmaker. He has been, but it's like to show it's like, I feel like it's Spielberg rectifying like all of the Westerns he made, all the war films that he made that were like, rah, 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 you know, United States and Although stuff Schiller's like list is a they, pretty unflinching <clears throat> look. At yeah. The and even they will expend, they were, they were expendable is still, I mean, everyone who worked on that film were, was ex-military, which is crazy. So and it, it's when, like, in like the credits, they like say like you can't fool major, them. They know the shit was rough. Yeah. They knew the shit was rough, and so, but and and at the end, it's a very like it's bittersweet, but it's very much so like 
you know, like the United States, they had to do what they had to right. do, uh, which is no different from, I guess, what this is doing. But it's never, I mean, just look at Omaha Beach. He's not trying to candy coat any of the war. It reminded me a lot of like uh, Children of Men. I mean, so yeah, obviously it's bookended by an opening battle that was so awesome and brutal and visceral that it redefined how we shoot like huge battle sequences. And then at the end, the climactic battle is literally almost a challenge to itself. Like, yeah, here comes the climax battle. Everyone knows it's coming. You think we couldn't top that first battle? Let's fucking top it. Yeah. Like they treat the tank that they combat as a T-Rex. I think literally like he borrows from himself from Jurassic Park. I love that in Jurassic Park, the shaking water and you go like T-Rex in this shot of Tom Hanks's hand shaking. And you hear stomping, and he goes, tank! Yeah. Panzer tank! It's the exact same thing. <clears throat> I mean, the first, Omaha Beach is very much about, and that's actually, it's surprising to me because there's a lot of things that caught on at the beginning of this. We talked about how, like, the shell shock, you know, like, all these tropes got picked up. The sh- uh, the slow motion plus uh, sh- slow shutter speed, Gladiator. which is like, yeah, and at this, around the same time, what year was it? This 90, kid? oh, let me check my notes real quick. And... Gladiator was 98. 90, 99 98. was Gladiator. 2000, so. 2000, 99 to 2001. I can't remember which Gladiator came out. That popularized uh, high shutter speed. And Gladiator's 2000. So they had time to steal yeah, from so Saving they Private stole, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I guess, so what those terms mean, like shutter speed, is the the shutter, it's like um, the, so what has to happen, the mechanics of uh, the film camera is it moves it moves the frame up or down or side to side, depending on which camera you're using of, um, you know, just move the frame while I obscure, uh, essentially the iris, the aperture, like any light from coming in. So it's complete darkness. And then it's the spinning thing, a shutter, uh, or it's usually in film cameras, it's spinning, but like, it can just be a thing that comes down like a, a gate, a block. Um, but it opens and it opens for a, determined length of time it can be very fast or it can be very slow uh now high shutter speed gives you that you know like in gladiator when you see like when he kicks the sand at the and they're in the middle of the you know uh coliseum or whatever and you see like the grains of sand and everything feels like really like almost kind of otherworldly but in a way that is like you can see everything too well everything's too uh still too sharp that is high shutter speed, slow sh- shutter speed like you have in uh, Omaha Beach where it's just the guy who's lost his arm and he's just like slowly looking around and grabbing stuff. And it's kind of the strobe effect where it's like things are kind of blurry. It's the exact opposite. That's slow. By the way, it also invented the trope I realized of that mode in first person shooters where you're almost dead, but you're not quite. And you still have a pistol and you just shoot a couple more times because yeah. that's how Hanks goes down. Earn it. But... um. I think one of the main things it invented is the cop-out ending where Tom Hanks, who's slowly been going insane because he's a good man asked to do truly inhuman things for the sake of his country, um, suddenly has a locker room pep talk monologue spontaneously come out of him that not only pulls the morale of his whole troop together who are on the verge of shooting each other in the face, but also seems to cohese his own psychology where he's like, I'm good now. God bless America. <laughs> like, could just because of a speech he gives. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's kind of a cop out, 
but I'm fine with it because then that lets you make the whole third act of the movie just, so now we got to kill this big fucking monster. It's this tank. We're going to shoot it like Jesus Christ Superstar where it even looks bigger than a tank would look even. Yeah. Like, they shoot it to exaggerate the tank's size in cool ways. Um, I love that shot where it crests a hill and it looks like a tidal wave. Like the tank absolutely looks like a wave crashing over them. Right. It's awesome. Right. And it makes what's clearly got like animal sounds mixed in. As it crests, it's like, fucking tank. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the sound of the cheetah. (laughs) Right. And the final battle is just fucking amazing. Um, And includes all the best Upham stuff where he's such a pathetic coward that he lets Adam Goldberg get. It's funny you said that's improv because I did notice this time through. Uh, they must have slammed it together because it's super clear that he's a head through a hole in the wooden floor mm-hmm. and his body is like a dummy that they stuffed quickly to get this sequence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I also noticed speaking of sizes and tell me if I'm wrong because you're better at like cataloging the shots in your head, but I felt like the only time they did super closes outside of people's faces for dialogue scenes it was exclusively to show that even in the midst of war there's still nice things like all the super closes i can remember are at the camp close-up of coffee being poured close-up of a guy taking a getting a shave close-up of like friends joking but just their mouths laughing then like later when they're in the woods and they know it's the worst battle they're going to face thus far Close-up of water falling on leaves. Close-up mm-hmm. of, like, beautiful slow-mo shots. of, And I just thought there was this kind of cool thing of, like, Tom Hanks would pause to note when things weren't as hellish. Yeah, that's a... I, I argue that's a common theme in Spielberg. Yeah. Because he's David... He, he's the film that Spielberg watches before he makes every all of his films and has been is Lawrence of Arabia, which is David Lean. And David Lean has, I think I talked about this on. I haven't seen it. In, yeah. uh, on the Cracked podcast with uh, Tom. Movie uh, Club. Cracked Movie Club. I talked about Jaws, how um, in, da- in it, there's a thing that he steals all the time, which is um, the way in which T.H. Lawrence dies in, in Arabia. It's just. Spoilers. Oh, yeah. I just said I he haven't seen it. He dies on a motorcycle. I heard toilet. <laughs> Uh, but the way in which he shows that he dies is it's just like uh, the goggles that he's wearing uh, are just like in the in a tree and they're just like being pushed by the wind. So it's like to show like <laughs> the sudden <laughs> and the empty motorcycle just idles just, by <laughs> and a kid goes, <laughs> come back, T.H. Lawrence, come back. <laughs> and it's like uh it's it's like it shows like here's this crazy violence that just happened but we're gonna document it with like this kind of zen moment yeah and i think that he's playing with that he does that a lot in this film i mean that's kind of the shell shock thing in jaws he does it with it's just waves lapping after someone got pulled under but in this film speaking to like the the good things the like the coffee being shot uh you know like i think what he's doing is that's like Hanks or whoever's perspective we're looking at at like here are just the snapshots of war it's mixed with all these horrible things that you kind of dwell on these right. like beautiful things and I think that that's kind of like it's it's kind of a uh, introspection into memory which I think is kind of doing the same thing as the uh, Lawrence of Arabia thing because what it's saying is like 
here's this crazy event that happened. What do you remember? Well, I remember the, you know, my uh, motorcycle goggles just drifting in the wind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well, I remember the, co- the smell pieces, of coffee beans, right. you know, like. And it's, yeah, I like that little stuff, though. Like, it's clear that Hanks has trained himself when his hand starts shaking to slowly take a drink from his canteen. Yeah. Like, they, he never says it, but it's obviously a ritual he does for that to make his hand stop shaking. Interesting. I thought it was a thing of, like, well, if you if you have, like, the shakes or whatever, like, picking something up is helpful because it, yeah. it distracts away exactly. from it. Yeah. yeah. So, so he did it because he was self-conscious it. about it. Yeah, exactly. But then, yeah, it turned into like. a ritual. Um, either way, potato, potato. No, it's, yeah, it's all the same. And, uh, I also thought they got a lot of, uh, mileage out of like the split screen shots, natural split screen, not actual split screen. Like the, uh, the two spots in focus, you mean? Uh, yeah. For the clearest example is when the little girl that they save and then don't save when Vin Diesel gets shot is slapping her dad. For, oh, I love that. And in the background, they're like regathering their shit and just moving on. Yeah. And I think it just develops the idea that there's so much crazy shit happening all the time. Like who even knows what the fuck is going on. And they do that a lot in the movie where like Tom Hanks is talking to a dude and in the background, very elaborate special effects of a whole fight scene where many people are dying are happening, but they don't even have time to notice that that's happening. Or the other one I like is, a full shootout is going on that any other movie predating this movie would absolutely center punch on and focus on. And Vin Diesel on the left, which is split screen by just like a natural line from a thing that fell is looking through a series of apples to see if any of the apples are good enough to eat and eating apples. And then one of the bullets from frame right intrudes too far on the left. And he suddenly goes like, what the fuck? And he's part of the, (laughs) now he jumps over to the right side and starts shooting at guys. It's like, what, this is the movie I'm in. Oh, I'm new movie. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, I love that shit. And I think that that's cause that's what this movie's a lot about is like there, if you're in war, there's no, there's a line in uh, Generation Kill that I always jumped out at me, which is the HBO series, which he was like somewhat uh, the the photographer or the uh, journalist asks one of the uh, like the major. He's like, is like, I don't feel safe. Is it safe to go out there? And he's like, well, actually, like Iraq's like a very safe country behind this wheel. No one can hit me. So it's very safe right here. I walk five feet over there. I can easily be killed. It's not safe, but right here I'm very safe. And it's just like, mm. I think that that's kind of what you're talking about is that Vin just Diesel like feels Los safe. Angeles. Yeah. Aha. Aha. <laughs> Vin Diesel feels safe. And then uh, until there's like, he's getting shot. Right. Or like if you're down in the trench and then you pop up, it's a whole different world. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's another shot that speaks. Well, can I just say, oh, I yeah. think, cause you made me realize uh, again, you never know. Symbolism is intentional, but you like to think it is. But I think in a way, especially when you see the bookends that are clearly like pro-America mm. and that it was worth it, um, the movie is doing just that and is maybe aware of that it's doing that. It's walking that line and splitting that screen between like a safe war movie and a provocative war as hell movie. Yeah. And it's trying to do both at once mm-hmm. and not detract from like, yeah, when Adam Goldberg dies, you're like, that shit happens in war. When Upham seems, sees the guy who he refused to war crime mm-hmm. kill Tom Hanks and is like, no, I will war crime you. Yeah. You're like, man, I don't even know if that was right to do. Like, this just is just a moral gray area. Yeah, the thin red line. Right? right. But then they also want to have within this two hour and 49 minute movie, the traditional movie 
where god damn it tom hanks everyone's dad blows up the tank and says something inspirational to matt damon everyone's brother or son yeah, yeah. and he is glad and it was worth it and i think it succeeds it does both well yeah uh, you can argue whether that's politically like what they should have done or not. I'm not, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because it's not what I love about Spielberg is that he finds a way in which to show a thing like that. That's his theme or it's like a posit. It's like an argument. Maybe he probably wouldn't call it that because I don't think he's an argumentative, like he's not a political filmmaker, but, uh, Upham, who's played by Jeremy Davies, who's the guy in lost, I think. Yeah. 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 He, um, there's a moment when he had to stay back because he's not really a good, you know, warrior. So during the radar section, he didn't have to stay back. He's a fucking coward. <laughs> he's a coward. And uh, Giovanni Ribisi, uh, Wade, uh, right? Wade is the right. Yeah, medic Wade, he, the medic, and he's gotten killed or he's in process of dying. And they're like, "Hey, we need get all that stuff, uh, you know, like water and supplies, water and supplies." Morphine. And so it's not just like you mentioned the split screen, like visual real estate is a that's one trick to show exactly what you just said. Also, if you remember, uh, as Davies is running through, there's all that smoke from all the grenade blasts. Right. So you're just he grabs the two bags and he starts running and it's a sh- like a steady cam shot where it's just following him on his back. There's like th- two or three seconds of you just see fog and everything's quiet and it's a, you hear some distant yelling and stuff. But then as he cuts through the fog, so instead of a split screen, it's just a reveal. It's absolute mayhem around Rabisi because yeah. everyone's, uh, do we give him morphine? I don't know what to do. And you, everyone's shouting and it's just like this fog of war where I don't know what's going to be behind that, but it's probably going to be horrible. And, but yeah. before that, it's kind of like an angelic shot, kind of like a suddenness before this, a calm before the storm. Yeah. Like the classic war movie would reference that a guy died, but they would hide it with smoke out of like, yeah. uh, deference to the Hayes commission or like the public sensibility. And this movie did both. Like mm-hmm. it's, I think I'm sure there was it's like, here's the death scene with in the clean way. And then the fog disperses the fog of war. Here's what it fucking looks like. And the guy's literally feeling his own liver going, Oh God, my, my liver. liver. Yeah. And they go, what, what about it? What should we do to save you? Your liver. Morphine. And he goes, just give me more morphine. And, he knows and you're like, Oh, okay. I guess liver's fake. God, that's so it's rough. Yeah. That's a rough scene. And I, I want to say the fog thing. Uh, Battleship Potemkin, but I can't remember the shot, so maybe it's not right. I know that Kubrick was uh, Paz of Glory. He did a lot of that stuff. But does the fog like not pass the fog, by like, to reveal horror? Yeah, well, it was like uh, Paz of Glory is famous for like the you're inside the trenches and everything feels cool, and then you look out and it's like, oh, fuck. You know, it's like uh, the reveal of like the sudden, the calm before the storm stuff that uh, Spielberg does yeah. here. But so that's a trope, but I mean, like. I don't know if it was used as effectively or as numerous in different ways. Like when we talk about like a director's toolkit or his toolbox, Spielberg is the best at doing like, I'm going to do this calm before the storm storm thing that we've been talking about for 10 minutes, but I'm going to do it in like, I'm going to do frame reveals. I'm going to do split screen essentially. I'm going to like surprise you with focus. I'm going to surprise you with, you know, like, camera pants like every every uh tool in his box is doing it oh man there's a pan shot that goes far medium close it must have been so hard to do at that time that's awesome 
in the final battle when it goes like, it goes like from a Molotov cocktail in close up to the tan to the cannon that the cocktail blows up, which is distant over to Tom Hanks's head and medium looking over to see that happen and then shout out what they should do next. And it's just functional to keep the geography clear, but God, it's so masterful how clear the geography is in that whole final battle. Like they develop many traditional dramas and they weave them all so well. And you always know, like you could draw a map of everything that happened, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. harder. Just watch a Bourne movie. Right. And you'll realize it's hard to do that. Like you couldn't draw a map of where that fight sequence happened. And he does it in a, like the easy way, the dumb way to do that, not dumb because it can be effective, but like the easy way most people do it is, well, let's just show a wide of it. Geography established. He does it by blocking and movement. and camera Right. Movement. Like a dude runs, does a whole sequence, then runs to a window and looks down. And the next shot is a punch through the window at the thing you just saw. So you know where yeah. you are before it pans to the next thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just storyboarded. Speaking of born <laughs> born since Matt Damon has become Jason Bourne, Doesn't it feel weird? I just felt like watching it now. He Damon's such a big name in his own right. And is like a superhero uh-huh. many times over. Then when he gets there and he goes, all right, it's the third act. We need him, that guy, Matt Damon. You, come here. I have something secret to tell you. I really thought he was going to go like, just kill Hitler. We know you got those powers. Oh, right. <laughs> like, I thought the you final act would be. sweet, sweet yeah. Iowa power. And he's like, but I don't have inner rage to fuel my vengeance. Well, all your brothers are dead. My origin story is happening. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would just like backflip. And I guess Inglorious Bastards has tainted my view of World War II movies. I'm like Hitler can die in this, right? Yeah, yeah for for no. I mean, it's all just a video game, soon to be. Uh, <laughs> that's also. Do you know anything about the dude that played Ryben? Because his the symmetry of his face, Edward Burns. That was Edward Burns. Yeah, and the stuff he did in the movie made me feel like this movie was supposed to launch him. And he's the only right, person like I didn't hands- recognize. He's like a handsome and like a Spielberg, like character actor right way. and you're talking to a guy who recognizes adam goldberg giovanni rubisi and you know without looking them up and barry pepper right but i don't know who that riven guy is edward burns famed scottish poet edward burns yeah, famed scottish <laughs> poet. yeah he never really took off to be honest with you like i'm looking at his imdb right now there's not a lot to be recognized say he the name again is it edward burns huh Edward Burns. Edward Burns. Edward Burns. I'm, uh, look, I'm looking up whatever happened to Edward Burns. Like, Is it B-Y-R-N-E-S? No, it's B-U-R-N-S. Like Burns. Like I have Burns. Like Edward Burns. Then. Nothing, man. I guess he just is probably a bad person and so people didn't want to work His with name him. is Edward. Slander. I'll see you in court, Burns. Gerald Burns. <laughs> Uh, I've recognized him from stuff, but it's funny because I can't really like, it's mostly, I guess, TV. Um, well, burn burns. <laughs> no one <laughs> kept up with you. I'm sorry. I want, what did I you want to say about humans. him? He was in will and grace. I don't um, know. that he did like a fine job, but it's weird to me that when you have even to the smallest part, like Vin Diesel, who's not a great actor, not even in this movie, but you're like, 
just by the mere fact that he was in this cast, he's destined to be huge. Like everyone who appeared in this movie is now or was already super famous. Right. And like Matt Damon wasn't that big and Nathan Fillion hadn't done anything, but yet somehow it's like a reverse curse. And I'm like, he's the one dude. Tom Sizemore is a fucking monster. Uh It came out yesterday that he got kicked off a set for trying to have sex with an 11 year old girl or rub her vagina. Um, and (laughs) sorry to be very clear. And, uh, yeah, that shot where Tom Sizemore is rolling over all the dudes in the trench to get to Hanks. Yeah. I'm like, those dudes all have STDs now. That's horrible. <laughs> uh, but um, my point is, Sizemore yeah. has a career. He had, yeah. What did this Ribbon guy do? I don't <laughs> to know. Piss off I don't Hollywood. Know. He, he's no Matt Damon. Uh, but it's interesting. You mentioned that it's 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 weird how <laughs> war films launch like different types of white dudes <laughs> like their careers because sure. band of brothers also did that they didn't launch him but like uh if you watch band of brothers there's a bunch of people who are like he's in this shit yeah you know like uh fast benders in it mm-hmm. uh fucking weird ones too uh what's his name the comedian uh, uh jimmy fallon oh, oh yeah simon pegg's in it it feels like michael shannon should be in it but he isn't is no he? he's not <laughs> and then in the pacific which is yet another one like Stephen ambrose uh and uh steven spielberg um uh rammy or rami malik who's now mr robot and he's right. launching as like he's going to be the next uh uh daredevil uh, no fucking <laughs> Uh, Freddie Mercury. Oh, he's gonna be Freddie Mercury. That's a better choice. Yeah, Ant Man. <laughs> but it's like he's yeah, he's Ant Man, uh, Mr. Robot, but, but a superhero. That's just a random aside. Is that like I guess it's because they always need like, well, everyone's gonna die in war films. Bring in the white dudes. Uh, seems I guess to be the trope in Call of Duty World War Two. I literally walked all around the camp. Well, here's the thing, I. Uh, People get, I know we're going off on too much of a rant, dude, but this is, (laughs) I don't buy that argument because every period piece, including Save It Private Ryan, like go on movieoops.com or whatever the fuck the nerds have been up to. You can find hundreds of anachronisms. For example, I'll tell you one in World War II, a ton of German equipment had crosses on them, not swastikas, Christian crosses, Mm -hmm. but Christian groups don't like depicting that because obviously bad guys think they're good guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they don't like seeing that in movies. So movie go makers out of deference to how Christian we are as a culture don't show it. And including in Saving Private Ryan, you never yep. see a piece of equipment with a Christian cross on it that the Germans are operating. Um, where was I going with this? The point is we fuck with the reality of everything all the time. And yet people will use arguments like, well, in my fantasy novel that has magic fireballs that shoot out of your hands, I still have to have the people be racist against people with dark skin because it's set in a 1400s-ish era. Motherfucker, you made up everything about everything in the world. And I just think if you want a better world to exist, put out stories that depict like moral standards as you see them don't show like racist society and not comment on it just because that's who history was bro if they have swords they got to be racist like i don't buy that i think that's a really interesting like psychological or like social thing because it's like a weird awareness of like because i don't like if you were to have like um 
a cross on a gun or whatever, like whatever they're doing. Like, I don't care because it's just a fucking piece of equipment. But I know it's true that a lot of those guys in the forties, they thought some weird shit about different races, (laughs) you know, like, and like, if it wasn't there, I'd be like, that's a little weird. So it's like, you're right. And also like, and that's wrong. (laughs) But, (laughs) But the thing is, it's like, because they do it in ways that aren't noticeable because I don't give a fuck about if that's the real gun. Someone does. Sure. But if they're like, that gun wasn't invented until 1965, I'm like, right. Yeah, but it looks like it could have yeah, been yeah, invented. Yeah. At- For a similitude. Yeah. But my point is I'm playing Call of Duty World War II. I walk around my whole camp in like the free open area yeah. trying to find like a lady or a person of color. They do throw in some like special operative women. Uh, you know, because like, like the British forces, they allowed women. I'm sure but then I realized as it was jolting, I was like, oh, that's right. There aren't any because everyone's racist and like the black regiment was a segregated regiment. Yeah. But in the next level, I like ride my Jeep under a train right. to derail it and then shoot dudes in the head in the air while I flip over <laughs> like, uh, you know, rocket launcher exploding. Why the fuck? Anyway, choose what to perpetuate and not perpetuate. That's all. <laughs> Woo! There I, is. Yeah. That's just. That's all I got. We sh- we This episode has gone on longer than it should have. Cause it's we a long have movie. It's a long movie. It's true. No, no, not that I mean there's a limit. I just mean I shouldn't have said any of that shit. I any said. of that shit. <laughs> uh, what else do I want to say? I'm out. So you you wrap it up if you got a final point. If there's anything point. that you can edit or insert. I talked about frame length. I've talked about frame width. You want to insert Bleach a discussion bypass. on width and length? <laughs> no, I was just talking about like director shit that people, like if you rewatch the film, you might notice and go, oh, that's how he made it look like that. No, I don't really think I have anything. I don't want to sound like a know-it-all either. You're just going to insert that to like, I'm a know-it-all. That's right. (laughs) You fucker. And then I'll make you create the loop for that to go over. It's just going to be fart sounds, you know it. (laughs) I'm a at all. All right, we're out. We rate this frame good. Should we be rating the movies? I feel like the whole podcast is a, a deep nuanced rating, right? Uh, no, I, no, I, I don't think it's, do you a, think we should be boiling it down to like a plus or eight out no, of 10? I don't. Cause that's, I think that's disrespectful to the, like, well, let's I have just, a real conversation. We're just about rating it, right? things we like and we don't like, I don't know. I guess rating is a term that you has now been, Oh, Jen was right. It's a bad name. No, it's just been <laughs> co-opted by like, give it how many stars. Cause it's a, you rate it. Right. But, but rate we're just saying like or dislike. Thumbs up, thumb down. Anal- exactly. Yeah. All right. Critical. I would just cut this out. This has been a small beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating. So make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash small beans. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash small beans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you.